Oh, hi everyone, hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's a real joy and a privilege for me to be able to share God's Word with you this morning as we continue our series on the Psalms, Songs for All Seasons. And life is full of seasons, isn't it? One of the seasons Ness and I have got to enjoy this past year is the season of grandparenting. If uh, you don't know, Ness and I became grandparents earlier this year. Uh, we have a gorgeous little grandson named Josiah. But no sooner had he arrived than our, uh, our son Isaac and our daughter-in-law Jess whisked him away as they shot off on a six-month trip around Australia. Can you believe that they would do that to new grandparents? Well, last Saturday at 8am there was a knock on our door and when I opened the door I was wonderfully surprised to see Isaac and Jess and Josiah standing there. They were home. And a new season began, really, as we got to uh, put an end to FaceTime calls, which we'd been doing for the previous six months, and uh, enjoy having them physically present. And there really is no substitute, is there, for having those we love physically present. Now, this season that Ness and I endured for six months, um, I'm aware, is not unique to some of you. You have loved ones living away or even abroad, and uh, you've not had the joy, perhaps for a prolonged period now, of having them physically present. And you know, over the past 18 months, we've all had to adjust, haven't we, to the isolation of friends and family due to COVID restrictions. Unable to do more than connect via Zoom or FaceTime or phone or whatever other app you might have used. And that's been true for us as a church as well, as we've been kept apart by social distancing restrictions. You know, 18 months ago, social distancing wasn't even part really of our vocabulary. But in that time, boy, hasn't it become part of everyday lives. However, I really think it shouldn't have been called social distancing. It should have been called physical distancing. Because whilst it prevented us from being together physically with friends and family, we found other ways to connect and interact socially. We may have been physically isolated from others, but we could still be relationally connected. And as we continue our series on the Psalms today, we're looking at Psalm 139, a Psalm in which David reflects on a season in his own life. And it's a season where he both laments the fact that he is physically distant from the care and support of others, and yet he finds comfort in the fact that God is always present. If you're not familiar with uh, the story of David, there's a period in his life where David was driven away from family and friends by a jealous king who was out to kill him. And during this time, David spent time literally hiding in a cave, in fact, it was in that cave that he wrote the lonely words of Psalm 142. In verse 4, he says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Despite the pain and aloneness David felt because of his physical isolation, he knows that God is relationally present. And as we explore today's psalm, we find David clinging to the fact that God knows him, 
that God is with him, that God made him and that God will hear him in his need and distress. And here we have one of the great truths of the Bible, a truth that answers the question, where is God? And the answer is God is present everywhere, always. And this is known as the, God, God, sorry, the doctrine of God's omnipresence. This is one of the three attributes of God that are easily grouped together because they all begin with the word omni, which in Latin simply means all. Omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Omniscience means that God is all-knowing. Omnipotent means that God is all-powerful. And omnipresence means that God is present everywhere. And that is really at the heart of today's psalm, God's omnipresence. The fact that God is present everywhere, whether we're aware of it or not. And God's omnipresence is perhaps the hardest of those three omnis for us to understand. And our problem is that we really have nothing to compare it with. Is God all-knowing? Yes. And we can grasp that to some extent because on some level we all have wisdom and knowledge. Is God all-powerful? Yes. And we can also grasp that to some degree because we also have power and strength to some measure. But there is no sense in which we can be present everywhere. We just don't have that ability. We can't even be in two places at once, as my diary will sometimes remind me. And for that reason, God's omnipresence is a difficult truth for us to grasp. But this truth really has the potential to bring us great comfort, especially when, like David, we find ourselves isolated, alone, and feeling overwhelmed in life. Our God is present everywhere, always. So let's jump into Psalm 139. First thing I want to say uh, is from verses 1 to 6, you are the God who knows us. That is the truth about our God. He is the God who knows us. You know, it's tough when people, when we feel like people don't really know us, isn't it? And it's particularly tough when we feel like people should know us better than they do. And sadly, over the years in pastoral ministry, I have counseled people who, despite being married for many years, felt like their spouse never really knew them. But even those who do know us pretty well may not really know our deepest fears, our deepest longings, our greatest temptations. And David really here is telling us that in order to be truly known, we have to turn to God. God is the only one who can truly know us, who does truly know us. So let's look at what David says in verses 1 to 4. David says, Look, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I say even before I say it. God doesn't just know what you had for breakfast this morning. He knows the different thoughts that were going through your mind as you were having breakfast. What you were excited about, what you were worried about, what you're anticipating about tomorrow and what you're regretting about yesterday. 
God knows everything about us. And as I said, part of the trouble we have in life is this thought that maybe no one really knows us. They may recognize our face. They may know a few superficial facts about our job or our interests. But do they really know me? And whilst that may be true of others, it's not true of God. God knows us. But God doesn't just know me. As David goes on to say in verses 5 and 6, you go before me and follow me. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Here's a wonderful truth. Not only is God with us always, not only does he know us, but his hand of blessing is upon our life. Maybe you need to hear that today. God is with you. God loves you. And God's hand of blessing is upon your life. Regardless of how connected or disconnected, regardless of how known or unknown you might feel, God knows you, he loves you, and right at this moment, God's hand of blessing is upon your life. Secondly, David goes on in verses 7 to 12 to talk about this omnipotence of God. And he says, "The God, you are the God who is with me. You are the God who is with me. Not only does he know us, not only does he love us, but God is with us. Most of us want someone who will be there for us, don't we? Someone who we can depend on when we need help. And David says in verses 7 to 10, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You know, these are some of the strongest words about God's omnipresence in the whole Bible. And as such, they're some of the most reassuring words in the whole Bible. And I think we need to let this truth sink in. You see, it's not just that God is with us, but that his hand is guiding us. He is before us and he is behind us. He's taking care of where we're going and he's taking care of where we've been. His hand is guiding us. You know, it makes me think and reflect back to my days as a father with young children. I remember those moments where I would grab their hand as we were about to cross a busy road or make our way through a crowded shopping mall. It's a picture of a father's unfailing love and intimate relationship with his kids and desire to bring them to a place of safety. And that's the thought here that we can draw upon and take from this passage. We have a God who is with us and whose hand is guiding us. And this thought is further developed by David in verses 11 and 12 where he says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. David here reminds us that no matter how difficult or how dark things get, God won't ever lose sight of us. God won't ever let go of us in that darkness. He will guide us and lead us on. Thirdly, David says here in verses 13 to 18 that you are the God who made me. You are the God who made me. I wonder if you've ever questioned your worth or value as a person. 
And maybe not, that's not the question. Maybe the real question is, I wonder how many times you've questioned your worth or value as a person. And we can all do this at times, especially when we feel disconnected or alone, as David did in this psalm. We have those thoughts, what's wrong with me? Why do I struggle so much to find deep, meaningful friendships? Why do others perhaps have a romantic relationship and I don't? Why am I always the one to make the first move with people? We have those thoughts, don't we? And they cause us to question our value, question our worth. When we have those thoughts, when we find ourselves in that space, we need to do as David did and get our sense of identity and value from God and not from others. Because others' opinion of us will vary, but God's opinion of us is unchanging. Here's why, because God made us and God places immense value on what he makes. God made you and he made you in his image and he values you immensely. Listen to what David goes on to say here in verses 13 to 14. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Not thank you for making me with a wonderful complex. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Notice here, David isn't just saying, God, I know you're the creator of life. Some general assent to God as creator. David is saying here, God, I know you created my life. Listen to his words again. You, uh, he says, you made all the delicate parts uh, or you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. You know, parents might occasionally get surprised by the news of a baby that is on the way, but not God. There are no surprises with God. Right at the beginning of your life, God was there, forming you and shaping you in readiness for all the days he had planned for your life. Look at verses 15 and 16. David says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. No one else, no one else could see David or me or you in the womb other than God. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. No matter how difficult life gets, no matter how disconnected I feel from others, no matter how despondent I might feel about myself or my situation, I can always say that I am loved and valued by God, the one who made me. Have you ever had an experience that was so good you just wished it would never end? I'm sure we all have. Maybe it was a fabulous holiday. Maybe it was a truly romantic date. Maybe it was a delicious meal. But I'm sure we've had those moments. 
And as good as those moments are, they're always slightly tainted, aren't they, with the knowledge that they will end. The holiday will end and you will have to return to work. The romantic date will end. The great meal will finally be eaten. But here's the truly great news for those who are in a relationship with God. The good times will never end. The joy of being connected intimately with God is a joy that will never end. And I wonder whether that's what David is getting at in verse 18 when he says, when I wake up, you're still with me. When I wake up, the good times still roll on because you are still with me. David has a relationship with God, a life-changing, a life-transforming relationship with God, and nothing will take that from him, not distance, not disconnection, not depression, not even death itself. And up to this point in this psalm, David is speaking positively about life and his relationship with the God who knows him, who's with him, who made him. David is drawing strength and encouragement from that fact that even though he's physically distant from others, he knows that he's relationally connected with God and he's drawing great strength from that. But then the tone of this psalm takes a somewhat unexpected turn. Listen to what David says in the very next verse. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. When I first read through this psalm in preparing for this message, I actually laughed out loud at this point. I was both surprised and amused by David's words because the psalm all seemed so nice up until this point, but then it turned nasty. David's mindset just completely shifts. Let's read on. God said, David says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme your name. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. They're strong words. And I think these words remind us that the Psalms are the words of real people with raw emotions. People who get sad, people who get lonely, people who get distressed, people who get angry. And these verses remind us that we feel overwhelmed at times by life. And when we do, we can go to the God who knows us, the God who is with us, the God who made us and values us, and we can be real with him. We can be real with him. You don't have to pretend that everything's okay when it's not. You can go to God and be real with him. And David goes to God with his concern about the wickedness in his world. How should we process these words? Because they're strong words. David says, I hate them with a hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Well, think for a moment how you would feel if the person you loved the most in life was being unfairly attacked and ridiculed. If I heard someone speaking degrading lies about my wife, Vanessa, it would enrage me. Why? Because I love her and I'm zealous to protect her and her reputation. And I think a similar thing is happening here. It's not spite that's driving David's words, but zeal. 
zeal for the God he loves, zeal for the God that he's just been singing praises to, zeal for the God that he knows is relationally present with him. And notice in verse 20, David doesn't say they blaspheme me. He says they blaspheme you. That's what infuriates him. That's what really is causing him to get honest with God. Yes, David is in a cave because people are chasing him, but he knows there's a bigger scenario. He knows that ultimately it's God's reputation. It's God's name. It's God's will that is being attacked here. And that's what causes him to get honest with God. Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Shouldn't your enemies be my enemies? And then we catch a glimpse in the next verses of something wonderful in David. His zeal for God and desire that others esteem God as he does causes him to look inward. He stops pointing the finger at others and the wrong they're doing. And he asks God to point out anything in him that is displeasing to God. He doesn't want to dishonor God in the same way the wicked are. And so in verse 23 and 24, David says these words that may be familiar to some of us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David's words remind us that we too live in a sinful and broken world. But they also give us a clue as to how we are to process the evil and brokenness of the world in which we live. Like David, we need to go to God with our concern. We need to go to God with our distress, with our desire for right to prevail over wrong. And I'm sure we can all look at things and point at things and perhaps point at people and wish that wasn't happening, wish they were acting in a different way. David knows that God is just and will ultimately deal with sin. But God is also gracious and he will help those who call on him. And because David knows that, that's why he doesn't take matters into his own hands. That's why he gives it up to the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. And I want to suggest when we find our anxiety levels rising, when we're getting all worked up and stressed out by what's happening in our world or what others around us are saying or doing, and we don't agree with it, we actually think it's counter to God's will and God's way, can I urge you to resist pointing the finger at others and instead ask God to search our heart. Ask God to change us in order that we might be part of the change that we, and more importantly, he, desires in this world. As we wrap up this message, like David, I'm sure in all of our lives, there may be times where we feel physically disconnected from the care and support of others. Times where we might feel depressed even within ourselves or despondent with our circumstances and the world around us. But this psalm reminds us that our omnipresent God is always relationally present. And I pray that whatever road you're walking 
in life at the moment, that this psalm might be a reminder to you that you are not walking it alone. In fact, the truth is Jesus walked a very lonely road to Calvary to die on that cross so that you will never have to walk alone in this life. I encourage you, turn to him today. Pause long enough to encounter his ever-present presence and then continue forward in the confidence and assurance that our ever-present God is with you, the God who knows you, the God who loves you, the God is with you, who is with you and for you, the God who made you and values you, the God who hears your cry and responds to it. God bless you.